Welcome to the Home Aru Podcast with Jaisha and Lyanne. Our mission is to get to know our North Power Farnau. Join us and listen to our people share their stories about work, life, family, and everything in between. Home Aru is a safe space, a place to be risk-free and a place to be open. We would like our listeners to know in this episode we discuss the topic of suicide. If you need to talk to someone, please reach out to the number 1737 by text or call to talk to a trained counselor. This number is 24/7 and a free service. That's 1737. All right, so welcome to Homaru. Uh, today we've got um, a, a special guest on board. So we're, we're remote mm-hmm. recording as we as we normally do. Uh, we like to set the scene at the start. We've got Jasha's sitting in his lounge and we've yeah. got um, Grant Pritchard on board with us today. Hi, Grant. Welcome, Grant. Kia ora. Kia ora I, think, I think Grant's in lockdown. Is that right? Are you in lockdown? We're just out. I think we're just oh, out. Oh, just out. Mm, oh, yeah. cool. So I'm working from home by choice. Um, oh, cool. i got to say I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of being forced to work from home. Um, yeah. I love flexible working, but it's quite a different um, kettle of fish when you've got two cats and four kids under 10 and <laughs> everyone's trying to remote learn and the two-year-old tearing everything up and breaking people's toys. And, oh, um, so I love being back in the office yesterday. And now I'm working from home in this zen, calm, kind of like no no, um, <laughs> no kids around. And I love the kids a bit, but boy, um, oh. it's a, it was a roller coaster a week. <laughs> Thanks for asking. It is definitely a different game when you're trying to work from home and you have children at home and and they're trying to do their own stuff as well. It's um, it's the next level of multitasking, that's for sure. I don't, I don't know how you guys handle it. I'm, I'm barely handling yeah. one cat letting it in and out. So. <laughs> well, you just don't know until you know. I just think yeah. when you don't have kids, like I can't even make people kind of I – don't, I don't think people think differently of people until they actually have kids. You can't – feel like oh if only you knew for people you just <laughs> yeah. can't know until you know so you're just like yeah you know when when my friends who don't have children are like I'm just so busy and I have no time and like blah 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 you're kind of like yeah no I'm sure you are I'm sure you are <laughs> and then you know you're like you try and um add in growing humans to like your own life and just there's just this whole other added yeah. level of even if you're not physically with them like you're with them this is it's like a yoda thing i think but yeah <laughs> anyway anyway jasha i know you feel the way you know i'm not gonna invalidate your feelings because yeah yeah no. you won't you won't know until you know yeah <laughs> but yeah anyway there's our there's our banter let's introduce our guest today um so we've got Grant Pritchard on from um, Grant's at Spark, but he's also known as a mental health advocate. And um, I've had the privilege of sitting in on one of his masterclasses. Um, and yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And for those of you listening from North Power, uh, we'll touch on it as we go on. But a lot of the stuff that I got from Grant's uh, masterclass has actually really shaped what our what our wellbeing plan looks like for the next year. Oh, that's um, awesome. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Grant. Um, no, so uh, we, yeah, would you, would you like to do a little bit of a, an introduction of yourself? Sure thing, sure thing. So I, um, I am a Hamiltonian, born and bred. So I'm living in Auckland now, but I think, you know, your hometown's always your hometown. And so I grew up in Hamilton. Um, I actually really liked Hamilton. I think Hamilton got a, Got a bad rap for a while, but I hear it's um, City of the Year in New Zealand or something. It's getting some really good, um, oh wow, <laughs> really good uh, <laughs> awards now. It's an award-winning city. So um, I grew up there, studied there, um, did law and commerce at Waikato Uni, and then headed down to Wellington. Spent a few years there in in a um, a law firm down there. Um, got at Chief Feet, went to Australia to another big law firm. Um, while I was over there. Um, they sent me on a secondment to Telstra, which was one of their big clients. So Telstra is like Australia's spark, and then I never went back. So I've been practicing as an in-house lawyer ever since then. Um, I had a commercial role, though, at Spark for a couple of years. 
Um, and just through that journey, um, I've just had some experiences with mental health that have changed how I think about that and what I see as the, the role for workplaces. So, um, you know, at high school, I lost a classmate to suicide. And I think as a 16-year-old in the 90s, we weren't really tooled up for that. And so that's something that as a young kid, and he wasn't even my year level. We, he was in the high school musical that we were doing. And then um, just a slight trigger warning here for people who are watching, you know, we are talking about mental health. And so um, some parts of this conversation in the podcast might get a bit tough. And I think that's that's okay. And if, if you're um, feeling a bit stressed or you need to, hop off the line and pause later. You know, we'll be waiting for you when you come back and your well-being's way more important than what we're talking about now. But um, so just feel free to to jump off if you need to. And if if you aren't doing okay, 1737 is incredible. So I'd highly recommend that as, uh, you know, you can talk to a trusted um, friend or a loved one. You can reach out to your GP. But also if you just want to pick up the phone um, and have a chat. They've got trained counsellors, and it's twenty four seven. You know, and and North Power's got its own EAP provider, which you'll be able to share the number for. Yeah. But I, yep. I I really rate. I mean, as long as you don't mind, um, as long as you don't mind getting a new person every time you ring them, <laughs> or if you text them, it's twenty four seven. So you text them, and then like a trained counsellor comes straight back, and it could be about like your finances or a relationship stuff at home, or your kids off the rails. It's awesome. Just realise that if you start a new text chain with them. If you text one seven three seven a few days later, you might get someone else. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, so that's where EAP <laughs> really comes into its own too. When you've got an ongoing kind of need for it, but so yeah, just with that that little warning, um, you know, we lost uh, uh, the the at the last night of our um, run for the show. He he ended his life, and um, you know, I just I didn't really know how to deal with that. All I saw was a whole bunch of really upset seventh formers at the time. I think they're year thirteens now, and I put that in a little box as a kid and I moved on. And so I didn't really think much of that until I was at Telstra um, and we lost a really close workmate. And um, and it was quite an unexpected loss. I mean, she was like a mother of two and, you know, one of the most senior lawyers over at Telstra. And so when she um, when she died, I mean, I worked with her for six years, sort of only a few meters away from each other at times. And so that was, that was quite a surprise for me. Wow. And I just... I guess I didn't, I didn't see it coming at the time. And then when I reflected, I was like, oh yeah, she wasn't okay. And I think we've all probably had those moments. And so, um, when, when I reflected on that, I was like, you know what, she wasn't okay. And now that I've, with a benefit of hindsight, I actually could have had quite a different conversation with her. So I didn't blame myself. And, you know, there'll be a lot of people that might be listening that have had an experience with that, with losing someone that they care about. And you can always wonder, you know, what could I have done? Could I have said something differently, done something differently? You know, that's not on your shoulders, but that doesn't mean that you can't make some really good decisions around that to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of the solution when it comes to this side of, of, of things. And I'm going to, I'm going to do more and I'm not going to step over people as it's a very common thing to do. And, and not even just the mental health space. I think we're, what is that syndrome? <laughs> Lion, you'll um, you'll know. Oh. I mean, I, I can't remember it. Like you, you see someone who's like lying oh, in the cool street. Puppy. Oh, no, no, someone lying no. in the street, and yeah. then like a few people in front of you step over them, and so then you awkwardly do it too. I should. Yeah, I've used yeah. this a yeah. few times. So I've got to. But I mean, I just promised myself I wouldn't do that. So when yep. you know when something like this, um, when I see someone who I don't think is okay, now I'm like, no drama. I'm going to check in, and I'm going to be. Um, mm. not, not the kind of person that walks past that, but that's a really long way of saying, I, I care about mental health. Um, I want to be part of workplaces that care about mental health. And I see a really unique role for, you know, everyone can play a role, schools, universities, sports teams, churches, faith groups, the government, primary care, but boy, can we do cool stuff in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just see a huge potential and I, I you know, I, hear, I keep hearing good stuff about what you guys are doing in North Power and I just, I encourage you um, and, you know, every, every little thing that you guys do, um, it really helps. It really helps. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I wrote down a whole lot of notes. I've got them in front of me <laughs> from your masterclass. Uh, yeah. um, I, I, I think I literally have like, 
10 pages of things that I wrote down as you were speaking <laughs> during it. And it, like, I like to just kind of grab little bits from here and there, but um, what have I got? Uh, let's create a safe space. I think that's what you, you, you kind of talked about um, when you were talking about 1737 as well, which we've been including at the end of um, our podcast, actually. So that was great that you, <laughs> you, you said that today. And yep. for those who are wondering, we use EAP Works. Yeah. Um, oh, fantastic. If, if you are looking around, we've had people, yeah, people get a bit confused with EAP because they think EAP is just like that one service that, you know, there's only one provider, but there are so many different providers and um, yeah, we use EAP works if you're, if you're unsure. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I really liked about your presentation, you talked about giving people permission to care. And um, I just like really liked that concept and, and that, flipping it around instead of um i think i've probably in the past kind of been trying to get people on board or bring people on the journey but but that's really the first step of it is actually saying it's okay for you to care and what does that look like for us and and how do we embed that into our daily the way that we do things around here and like in terms of our culture that's, um, that's so true that's so true and i think yeah, people miss that. I think in the in the morass of workplace initiatives, and you know, what are we doing? What are our priorities? And you know, what's the you know, you know, the strategy and the frameworks and the policies, which are all very important things. But I actually think that so much of this is cultural. It's so much about culture and how we how we treat each other, how we think about ourselves and our teammates. You know, when we're flying and when we're falling, like how do we roll as a team, you know? And I think that's, that's something that, um, it's something that doesn't normally happen just by accident, although it can, you know, I think about, yeah. you know, teams coming together and I, I, I'll share this little story cause it really, it's, um, a little light bulb went on in me early this year. Um, only a couple of weeks ago when my two kids came home from school, my two oldest ones, and each of their classes had done a class treaty. And so wow. they'd gotten together with their teacher and they'd said, how do we want to treat each other? Who do we want to be? What do we want to be known for? You know, what's in and what's out? And I looked at that and I was like, wow, we need that in all of our teams at work. Mm. That's cool, And if a yeah. seven-year-old can do it. And I think if you don't do that, it's very easy to slip into accidentally not quite being right in terms of how we treat each other. And and, mm. that, and, and that then impacts, the, as you say, the safety around these conversations. It can be, it is, it is, it can be a rocket fuel or it can be an inhibitor, your team culture. Mm. Even those questions that, you know, you'll have engagement surveys that say, you know, uh, how likely would you be to, um, or do you feel comfortable admitting you've made mistakes, asking questions, showing vulnerability to your immediate team? And those kinds of questions, I think they reveal something about how comfortable and how safe and supportive and supportive people feel in a team. And so there's a real opportunity there, I think, at that team level. It's not, you know, it is a cultural thing, but it can be it can be trained in it can be built in as part of your operating rhythm, you know? So if at the start of your team meetings, you're all doing a wellbeing check-in and everyone's traffic lighting, how are they doing? How are they feeling? How are they traveling? Not what's your capacity like? Have you got any mm -hmm. blockers with this project? That stuff's important, but setting the scene, getting everyone in the room, like I'll never forget, like um, that kind of thing is happening in my own team at Spark and just the level of vulnerability and openness. I really, I know I'll, I'll protect confidences, but I wouldn't have expected people to be open about what was going on for them. And what it means is that as individual teammates in a team that ought to care for each other and have kindness at the norm right in the center of that, you're lifting the lid on how people are doing and, and so you don't just see the what like a lot of the time at work because we've got this such a strong workplace persona in New Zealand mm. you've got to have it all together you've got to be perfect mm -hmm. and so I think it's really it's very difficult to just naturally have all your people just being really honest with each other and being really open and so 
you can get from the what, you can just scratch behind that and see the why, and it gives you the context. But you have to create safety for that to happen. Nobody's going to say, I'm really struggling with my daughter at the moment, or, you know, this is happening for me at home, and I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. You know, I'm an orange at the moment because of this. No one's going to be saying that if they feel like that's going to be used against them. <laughs> and so mm. it's a bit of chicken yeah. and egg. But I think some of that some of that stuff around planning out and being intentional about who we are and, and, and what do we stand for, that I think is really foundational. Um, that's actually one of the notes that I wrote down was from, from your workshop was, is the culture safe around these conversations? And that's, I guess, exactly what you're doing when you're having your well-being check-ins as part of the way that you do things. Um, I'm guessing initially it probably takes a little bit of time for people to start feeling safe and comfortable to share. But once once one person does and then the second person does, it just becomes, it's almost, you know, we all start to let the let the walls down or take the masks off and go. Uh, that what I, what I always think about is, like, we all know that everyone has stuff going on, yet we're still not quite there where we can be open and transparent about it yeah. all the time in our, you know, in our home lives and our professional lives. There hasn't quite been this, and there still is the wrestle with, you know, how much is too much? How much should I share? What's going to potentially affect um, me getting another role elsewhere? Um, I've been th- through that because I have a cu- you know a couple of other podcasts that I do that I that I share some really personal things on, um, and my kind of thinking is well if if that would stop you from hiring me, not saying I'm looking for a new job, <laughs> um, but if that would stop somebody from wanting to engage with me, then I don't want to work for them anyway. But that's not yeah. necessarily um, you know that's a luxury to be able to think in that in that way. I think. Yeah, and look, but, you, yeah. you all, it's about creating s- space for your people to step into. You're not pushing them into that space where they have to. We've got like, you know, a yeah. thing where everyone's like um, an AA meeting and everyone's going around yeah. and you've all got to like, yeah. be like, you know, um, my name's Grant and I am really impatient with my kids all the time and yeah. it really affects me. And then on to the next person, you've got to like go down there. Yeah. Like it's just saying we can be real yeah. and we are, yeah. we're all whole humans and we realize that artificially separating your work world and your home world can actually be a really unhealthy thing to do. And so yeah. we want to be here for each other and we can't do that if we don't let each other in. And so... Um, there's a there's a real there's a real benefit from from that if it's done with a bit of care and I think that that needs to be led by the the team leader and that's why that's why the support and development of our um, of of leaders in the workplace is just so important you know I don't know a lot of a lot of people get put up into roles because they were a great specialist and they've been doing something for a certain amount of time but it's just so important that we set those new leaders up for success by giving them the right tools in their toolbox, the right confidence yeah. and skills so that they can lead a high-performing, close-knit, high-trust team. Otherwise, yeah. you're kind of setting them up for, <laughs> you're setting them up for, for trouble, you know, like, you know, cause that, cause they're, they're not really going to be able to stick the landing on the people side, even though the craft mm. and what they're doing, they might be brilliant at this job, but that but they don't get the team synergies the team can't hum along because of their own um, uh, development opportunity that's there that's not un, it's not been realised yet. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to well-being than it just being the icing on the cake. Which is- <laughs> and, and look, I'm, I'm speaking in my personal capacity yeah. here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a voluntary mental health advocate. I see the benefits wow. of, of well-being in the workplace and all the research supports that, but I'm, I'm a... I'm just an in-house lawyer, but I think there's a real yeah. thing in New Zealand as well of people <laughs> excluding themselves from being part of the solution because they don't feel like they have, they don't feel like they've even got a ticket to the stadium. Like yeah. they'll, they'll sit back and be like, who am I to get involved in this? Who am I? Like, that's not my job. And if enough people say that's not my job, all of a sudden it becomes Lion's job. Mm. Yeah, and so you've got yeah. a, you've got an organisation that might have hundreds and thousands of people, and then it's some poor person's job to make everything perfect for everyone else. But well-being 
it's such a, you know, this is a universal human condition. You know, your well-being ebbs mm-hmm. and flows. The workplace and you and your family and your team can be protective factors or risk factors for that. And there's a lot of shaping and influencing that can happen through well-being leadership from 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 people like Lion, but not, you know, I, I think you can't just leave it as soon as as soon as it becomes someone's yeah. job. I think I mentioned that yeah. you know, during during that mastercast. Like, it, it yes, it is your job, but it's your job to inspire and lead. But in some cases, there's only one of you or two of you, whatever it might be, and it's very hard to reach the last mile of mm-hmm. your workplace so that individuals no matter what role they are in or where they're located, can feel, I mean, I would describe it as it's effectively a love response from the workplace. And that sounds a bit touchy-feely. But lawyers, um, health and safety people, HR, um, and workplaces, we are paid to manage fear in some ways. Well, that's a very traditional view of Mm. the world. You know, I'm paid to manage risk, to keep everyone out of jail, to make sure we're abiding by the law, and to manage the fear relating to that risk. And that can sometimes create, unless you're intentional about it, it can create a culture within even individual lawyers like me where you become very focused on what if and the negative side and and, and kind of... Um, negative or harm avoidance, negative negative consequence avoidance, and you're focused on that rather than focused on the opportunity. And so your eyes are looking down rather than your eyes are looking up. And I think that's a, a huge um, source of competitive advantage for workplaces that can really get that. And and and, and yes, some of that stuff's hygiene factors, right? We don't want to be, um, we don't want to be uh, having the Commerce Commission and in, in, in touch with us because we've done something wrong legally. We don't want yeah. work safety. There's all that stuff, and that's totally relevant and it's necessary. Um, that 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 sort of the, that sort of the hygiene factors. But I think the halo and the opportunity for workplaces really in this positive well-being and positive mental health. There is a real there's a real chance for us to to do better for our people and then to have them do better for us as workplaces. Yeah, exactly. I like I like. I like how you talked about the um, people feeling like they're not qualified to enter into the discussion around well-being or particularly mental health because they don't know everything there is to know and they don't know the most recent research or, you know, what's data telling us or um, haven't read that clinical whatever document. I think um, I've, I've felt that myself at times. I'm not qualified to kind of comment <laughs> on this, but um, it, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's actually just being part of the conversation and you keep coming back to that kindness and, and kind of talking about things in an open way and having respect for, you know, people that, that do have the, you know, qualifications if there is something around that. But it's definitely, um, that's one thing that I hadn't really thought too much about was that actually a lot of people are just too scared to enter into the conversation, even though, most of us have been touched in some way, shape or form by something to do with um, mental illness, whether it's ourselves, someone around us um, or at school or, or work. But yeah. yeah, we don't feel like I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, so I should just keep my mouth shut or it's the opposite, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's something that's been so true for me in the last couple of years. I, I guess mental health just suddenly became real to me as I had, one of my best mates, um, I think he, he tried to kill himself one day and I just didn't see it coming. And I guess we never really talked about it. It wasn't a normal thing for us to catch up and talk about those issues. And it, it's since then, uh, unfortunately, uh, thankfully, not unfortunately, thankfully he, he, he didn't kill himself. And ever since then, our relationship, I don't know, we've just brought that into whenever we catch up now, we always, like you were talking about, Grant, you start your meetings and ask how everyone's doing in that space. Every time we catch up now, that's just a normal part of our conversation or a normal part of how we catch up. And it's just become such an awesome thing. And I know I'm not qualified in speaking to well-being and mental health at all, but it's just, it's just helped our relationship and friendship and our personal lives so much. 
And I've already brought that across into people I see at work or just every other aspect of my life. And anyone can do it. Everyone should do it because it just, it just improves everyone's life, really. It's totally what you guys were saying. That is so good to hear. Thanks, Jay. Sure. I just, yeah, thank you for sharing that and being so open about that because, you know, isn't it great that your mate's still around? Yeah. That, you know, you, you know you've, and I think you know, one of the reasons I, I mean, people think, what the hell are you doing, Grant, talking publicly about this stuff? And it's, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, I'm holding down a pretty full-on job at Spark, but I've got yeah. big multinationals talking to me about getting involved, talking to their people. And the reason that I do that is because I don't want everyone I don't want everyone to feel like, oh, that doesn't affect me. Yeah. That doesn't affect me. Oh, it's a bit awkward. You know, who am I to be getting up in other people's business? And, you know, I don't have mental health. You know, my family's fine. My kids are fine. And I've seen it and I've heard just some incredible stories of people who who have been really dismissive about mental well-being. And then it doesn't concern you until it kicks you in the guts. And so what you're talking yep. about, Jay Sherrod, you know, I just, the reason I talk about this stuff is I want to get everyone past that point of not caring <laughs> without yeah. having had to have buried a child, for example, Yeah, which sometimes happens. And then, you know, like let, let's be proactive. Let's be positive about this stuff because mm -hmm. we've all got mental health. Four out of four of us have got mental health and eight and 10 people like, like the, you know, the universality of mental health is something that I don't think we really have grasped onto yet as a population. You know, there's, there's people like you guys and me that we recognize that everyone's got mental health. It's just like your physical health, you know, like mm. you dislocate your knee just in the same way as, you know, you can go through periods in your life where you're suffering from extreme mental distress situations and experiencing very poor mental health, but that's just part of life. That's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to feel bad about. And there'll be people listening to this podcast and, you know, you're seeing a counselor or a psychotherapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or your GP, and you may be getting some extra support. You may be taking some medication. It could be short term. It could be long term. And, you know, I just want to lets you all know that you're doing the right thing. Mm. You know, mm. you're doing the right thing. This is nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. Self-care is the start of everything good when it comes to well-being. And I even know myself when I'm under pressure, when I'm past that peak of the performance curve into exhaustion or heading towards burnout, I'm not the best version of me. And if I can recognize that right up front and then start caring for myself, I can't be kind when I'm completely running on empty. <laughs> like yeah. all yeah. of us yeah. know you so see it in your interactions <laughs> yeah. with the people that you love the most. Mm. And they're the people that you yeah. hurt the most when you're hurting from a well-being perspective, when you're exhausted because your sleep hygiene's way out of whack and you've, you haven't done any exercise for too long and, you know, you're not getting outdoors and you've stopped that volunteering thing that you've done and you've, you know, mm. given up on playing yeah. the guitar or surfing or whatever. Yeah. Like well-being first because like that. your cup can't be used to pour into other people's cups if it's completely empty. Mm. You know, yeah, there's that, you know, that whole thing of putting your own oxygen mask on first and that's yeah. a bit trite, right? But it actually is really true. And I've felt mm -hmm. that my own. I mean, I've, I'm pretty open about my own well-being journey. Like I've been putting myself second for way too long. Like mm -hmm. I'm too busy going around being a dad, being president of the in-house lawyers association, demanding job at Spark that I totally love, volunteering at the local after-hours not-for-profit music center. There's always somebody else's need that's more important than my own. Mm. Until my well-being drops below a certain point, and I'm like. Uh, that's out of balance. And just, I think the quicker we can realize that and be like, well-being first, that's not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. Yeah. You know, we can be better parents, better workmates, um, better friends. And it, it's a big thing in, 
um, with the wellbeing leadership in term, in the in the corporate or sorry in an organisational space that's really obviously a lot of stuff needs to happen before that, but um, it's you know seeing our leaders burning out or seeing leaders burn out at times yeah. and that see that almost sets the scene you know how many people have you spoken to who have gone well but my manager's here from seven till seven so the ex that's the expectation whether or not they're telling us go home go home i've heard of you know managers staying on to finished work so that their teams could go home but they're still visually getting that message of it's more important for me to be here and finish this work than look after my own health regardless mm. of the intention behind it but um so, so from your masterclass, we set, we decided, so you had, had a vision to, for Spark to be the most mentally healthy workplace. I took a little a, a baby bite size of that. So we've decided our, our vision is to be the most mentally healthy workplace in the utilities industry. So we, we, we're starting off there and we um, have set three key milestones that we think we need to achieve to get there. And some of these words will be familiar to you because I took them from your masterclass. <laughs> the first one is being that we discuss fundamental mental health and wellbeing concepts. So that's that's um, milestone number one. Milestone number two is that we know what good wellbeing looks like for us as individuals and we know how to achieve it. So what we need to do to, to get that. And then um, number three is that we share openly with others and we lead by doing. So there are, that's kind of everything that we do going forward, um, especially for FY22, <laughs> is, is aimed at um, helping us realize that vision. And it's not, um, like I've said, it's not this year we are going to become this. It's, this is our, this is what we're striving for and really starting to hit those, those milestones is, is how I think we're going to get there. Mm. So cool. we've got, Fantastic. A few key th um, kind of streams. So everything that we are doing is also based off of our um, our surveys that we've done over the last couple of years. And there's always these two key themes that have come out, which is the connection, the need for connection and the need to feel supported and, and for us to provide support. So under our connection, we've set up, um, well, we're in the process of, of setting up um, some networks and again these were we, we asked what kind of networks are you wanting and these were the ones that were most asked for so we've got our women's network which is called Wahine Toa which launched at the end of last year and we're having a, a, a weekend event in March um, we're up here in, in Northland with um, local speakers and then internal speakers, all female. So really looking forward to that. That's about building connection with each other and um, starting kind of on that journey together of what that's going to look like and empowerment. Um, and then our Men's Health and Wellbeing Network just had their first meeting yesterday. That's the one I'm probably the most excited about because we're 85% male. The women's one... Um, and like, I don't know how to say this in any PC way, but the women's <laughs> one will get set up and we'll be able to like sustain that quite easily through digital platforms. And th there's no, it's a lot easier to connect, <laughs> connect with each other. Um, yeah. But our, our, our male space, it's, you know, really new territory. What does it look like? What's it going to look like? And, and I can't leave that out. I'm just a supporter of that. So we've got a, a group of guys together who, and, and I was so happy to hear their first step. They want to go out and ask people what they want. So that's um, so they're using some of the survey feedback. I've just separated out all the men's responses. I hadn't actually um, done that yet, so I didn't know what the percentage of our, our last survey was, male versus female. And we had... 400 and about 460 responses and 350 of them were, were men. So I was quite wow. excited. Yeah. yeah, we've got, we've only got 200 women, but I was almost expecting that 200 of those responses were, <laughs> were females. So I'm um, like, that was nice to see there were, there were so many guys. So, um, so, and then, say, like, yep. that, that is incredible. Like, and look, don't, um, especially with the men's network, it, it's like yep. Pantene. It won't yeah. happen overnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, think that yeah. you're, you're, again, you're creating community that will drive mm. sustainable culture change because people are getting together, they're connecting, they're sharing, 
and then the walls and the yeah, as I say, the work personas of like we're just these kind of robots with um, heartbeats mm. that, mm. that will drop away a little bit. Sorry, I've interrupted you, but um, I just no. and even just those yeah. three things that you talked about focusing on in terms of priorities, um, that's fantastic, right? Because you're not trying to do everything all at once, mm. right? Yeah, this is a journey, yep. and that we will be the most mentally healthy and almost thriving utilities provider. Yep. That's a great North Star because you will have speed bumps along the way and at least you can keep coming back to that yeah, and kind of course correcting and then evolving and evolving. I've interrupted, so I'll just shut up now. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's exactly it, right? It's like setting the vision, but actually I think in the wellbeing space, well, it's probably like this for all, but, it, but we're not there yet everywhere, but it's actually being willing to kind of change and align as things change because mm-hmm. um, that the, and this is, I'm probably, I'm probably moving on a bit, but the, um, and this is something that we're looking at our mental health and our fatigue, critical risks at the moment. And in terms of like, we talk about how do we measure and how do we monitor and all that kind of stuff when we're stepping into the health and safety space. Well, in reality for mental health and um, negative workplace stresses that impact on my mental health how do we measure that and how do yeah. we measure that if we're trying to prevent that from happening um how do we measure thing. that there's mm. it's a it's and at the end of the day it all comes down to how are our people feeling today it's actually um it can't just be a we measured it you know in october last year this is how people are feeling where I've ended up coming to is um all we can do is kind of set up a framework and the work we do within that framework changes as our people change and it needs to, and we need to be ready for that. We can't just be like, this is all we're focusing on forever and always because it's it, it everything has to be people-centered and people-focused. And if next week the people decide that this isn't going to support their well-being, well, then we need to stop doing it. Like that's my thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Who's gonna this, but yeah. I, I love it. Look, and, and I think yeah. – Coming at these things with a sense of humility and a sense of curiosity, that is what that is what drives sustainable culture change, I think. You know, you're mm. there, we're trying this stuff out, we've got some great we're experimenting in a really safe, supportive way. But make no mistake, we're just we're not just ticking the box. Mm. We're actually yeah. this is a dynamic, living, breathing program that is heart-led, people-supported, or and, and I mean, that's the thing. It can be, you know, it's it's about getting the, the strategies and the policies and the frameworks up off the page mm. and into the real world. And, and by, you know, the, that listening piece, it is just so important. And, and, and also, to be frank, not, not getting too caught up on the statistics Mm. And the numeric stuff, because your your well being in the workforce is going to ebb and flow, and there'll be different stuff going on at the macro level, lockdowns, mm. uncertainty about stuff, you know, the need for organisations to be rethinking about how they organise people and teams, how they deliver their um, yeah. deliver value to people. Like workplaces can't stand still. Um, some government departments can walk a little slower than you know out in the out in the corporate <laughs> yeah. world but I, but I, I do think that if you just run it on the numbers you can actually mix up the correlations with causation yeah. and you can end up saying oh look at all this cool stuff that we've done and it's meant that <laughs> mm, but actually yeah. you can also just ask your people and <laughs> yeah. the verbatim stuff i think is the gold you know the you know um those sort of uh, psychological safety type questions that you can ask your people will ebb and flow depending on what's going on for them at work and home, what's the mm. te- individual small team culture like. And so um, the numeric feedback is is helpful, but I actually think the written feedback is where a lot of the gold is. I mean, you can, yep. you can, you can, you can have some, um, some uh, dashboard alerts going off, right? If, if, and you have to be careful around privacy. But if all of your women are saying this, or all of your workforce who who are under thirty are saying that, 
Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you want to be careful about people's privacy. Or yeah. the people that have joined North Power or whatever your workplace is within the last two years are saying this. Uh, all their stats are quite different to the people who've been here for 25 years. That's kind of an interesting point to start digging in and doing some real mm. listing on. And, yeah. Um, just, yeah, it's just that, the, yeah, everything starts with listing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I think I wrote that down like 10 times on your, uh, on your website, actually. I think the whole concept of creating a space for people to step into, I really like the way that you frame that. And I think that's really what the purpose of our networks are meant to be. So yeah. um, giving people the space, a safe space, it's, and again, it's that giving them permission to be able to say and think and feel whatever it is. Um, I yeah, I'm I'm really the, I'm most excited about our, our men's health and wellbeing, and that's they're going to change the name to something a little bit more suitable for that. But it's um, I think if if all of the work that I have been doing in wellbeing and seeing other people do and talking to other people, um, everything keeps coming back to needing to have a sense of belonging. Mm. And I think we don't have to, it's, it's not costing us anything to set these networks up. It's And all I'm thinking of from behind it is this is a potentially a place where somebody can go to feel like they belong and they get to decide what that looks like. And it's not, and it's optional and, you know, it's not, you're not forced to be here, but um, if we can provide a space like that and say, Hey, look, utilize these tools we already have. Let's, build our digital capability up here and um it, it's only yeah it's just trying to build relationships belonging and relationships and That's you know so true it, so true yeah right. and look I, I think you, you touched a little bit on budget and stuff and i feel like mm. there is a tendency there's sort of you know i think there's two there's often two ways that um that workplaces look at um at any kind of sort of spending on initiatives like this. And that is, mm. um, you know, they'll throw money at a problem mm. or they'll throw nothing at it. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. actually, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I, I think it's good to have a little bit in a drawer somewhere, <laughs> a little bit mm. of budget somewhere. Yeah. So that when people come to you with with what you recognise as a good idea, because you're listening and keen, that they're you're able to say you're able to say yes and yes, not yeah. yes but. And I think sometimes <laughs> yeah. if we don't, you know, if we don't plan for that, if we don't plan to have to invest anything, then it makes it hard for us to do so when the opportunities come our way. And yeah. so that's just a general comment. And obviously, again, I'm just uh, speaking on my personal capacity here, but I do see an opportunity for workplaces to say. You know, we care about this stuff, and and it, it's it's led by you know and supported and encouraged by our, our specialists like um, yourself, Lion, and and it's and it's people activated and it's it's inspired, and our our people are coming with us on this journey. They're not just passengers on the bus. Mm. They're yeah. not just sitting in the bus looking out at the view. They're actually it's more like a walker. Yeah, yep. That's our. That's our. Uh, actually, we we our wellbeing framework is called Wakatangata. So, <laughs> that's perfect. And, that's, and, and, and you yeah. know, and, and Lion, you're at the stern of the waka. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you're helping to steer oh. that. But everyone is there together. Yeah, and and you know yep. your vision that you've set. You know that's 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 where your waka's heading, and so. And I think, and I think, you know, just, you know, having a little bit of budget, and it doesn't need to be a huge budget. But having a little bit of budget for the stuff means that you can fuel your people. Yep. You know, so yep. like the women's weekend you're talking about wouldn't cost nothing. Oh uh, yeah, no. But it's not. But it's <laughs> but not yeah. going to. It's not going to be. You know, a half a million dollar women's weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're able to say or yes and how can you do that no. <laughs> like, hey, Can I come up for the weekend? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, I'm no. Female yeah. adjacent. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. And um that's one thing that um that I have learned from Tui Hana actually, which was the most creative things happen when, you know, when the 
there is no budget or little budget. And that's definitely um, mm. something that um, I've learned is, is from going like, oh, okay, there's this money here. What could I do with that? And coming up with all these ideas, but then actually getting to the point of like, okay, there is that money there. What's going to get, what's going to bring the most value? What's going to really make an, an impact? What do people really want? Because we can, uh, you know, do all of this fancy stuff and that's that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, that'll look great on an awards application. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like when we get down to the nitty gritty of it, um, you know, it can be really easy to just spend money because it's there and it's available uh, and, and um, you've been, somebody's given you this presentation on this really amazing thing that's out there now that we could do. But actually, yeah, thinking, I just try and come back to, what will people really want? What's going to give them a tool that they're going to be able to go home and share that with their family? And thinking about the, um, yes, this is corporate wellbeing, but it's such a, um, the additional benefits that go home into the community because people are getting the opportunity to learn things at work around wellbeing um, and starting to see, oh, maybe this has an effect on my job and this this has an effect on me. But I just think about, imagine them taking that home to their children and to, to their partners and then how many other people can we affect through being able to implement, you know, workplace wellbeing programs. So, um yeah, I'm I'm conscious we are getting near to our twelve o'clock mark. Um <laughs> Jay, Jay, do you have any more questions or Grant, is there anything you'd like to um like to share with us before we, we kind of start wrapping up? We should have made this a two parter. Oh look, I just think <laughs> yeah. I just think hey, thank no one's you. saying it can't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank, you, thank you for thank you for having me on. And you know, one of your little quiet um you've got your your vision you've got your pillars that you're standing under that and then your initiatives mm. and your programs that are, that are um, bringing that to life. Um, don't do that Kiwi thing of the quiet victory where <laughs> you, you avoid the tall poppy. Yeah. You come yeah. up with something that breakthrough that's next level that other New Zealand workplaces could benefit from, but nobody hears about it. <laughs> I, I see that all the mm. time. You would not believe mm. the cool stuff that's going on that nobody hears about outside of an individual yep. workplace because they're, they're it, tall poppy is, a, is an actual thing. Mm. I used to think, oh, nah, not really. And, but actually, yeah, nah, yeah, it is a, it is a yeah. thing. So, so whatever, whatever's working for you guys, share it. Um, I'd love to kind yep. of, um, to learn more. And, you know, we are, we're learning from each other. Like there's no, you can't just breeze in and be like, I've got all the solutions for you yeah. guys. It's, yeah. actually, it's actually collaborating, coming together and not having everyone just do everything in a little, um, what is it? Yeah, silo. In a little black in a silo. Box. Yeah, in a silo. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah so, yeah. yeah, so everything that you can do to share what you're doing and, and be part mm. of that community. And then, you know, the Rangai Wellbeing Collective is a fantastic example of that. Yeah, of, that's of, wicked. That's corporate social responsibility. Mm. Yes, I like that. Yeah. It's such a good space to just be able to hear what other people are up to. And it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we, yeah, that's definitely, I've noticed, and I think I've started to engage a little bit more on LinkedIn because there's, there's a lot of good stuff that gets shared on there. And yeah. I wasn't really, really very active before. Now I've started to connect with people through there and actually having like a, you know, a Zoom meeting or, or something like that. That's um, awesome. to, what are you up to? Because, yeah, I think, um, one of the things I brought with me from the learning and development space was curate, don't create. And actually, there's just so we all have faced the same problems in some way, shape, or form. And not everything is, you know, um, you can pick up from one business and implement it another, and you wouldn't want to. Like, let's just totally. assume we're all starting with listening because that's mm. where we should be starting. But um, it's just so cool. Um, we've got a local Northland Wellbeing Collective. Um, that I, I selfishly awesome. started because I just wanted to talk about well-being with other people face-to-face. <laughs> -face. And and I also thought, you know, Te Tukuro, what's different for us as, a, as workplaces? And so our vision is to build, um, to strengthen workplace well-being in Northland. That's, that's the whole purpose of us. And we do that through, um, I think, what's the wording? It's like creating a culture of... Uh, 
actually I should tell you guys exactly what that is I've got it written down here no not in this book I've got 10 million notebooks floating around that's um, why you're you're doing oh I mean and look I um that is that is so big-hearted right that's not about you're not it's not in it for me it's in it for us and I think yeah, you know, taking the helicopter up a bit and, and being able to pour into each other's workplaces and to learn and learn and share and connect. It's that's that's where it's all at. That's where it's all at. And just a and just a heads up, I'm in Whangarei for a week at the end of April on annual leave, ah. and I would love to come and say hi to your people. I'll come off leave. I'll well, I'll be still on leave, but I'll um I'll make an exception. That would be incredible. That sounds so good. Holidays. So it's a, it's a good little um, little preview for you. If you we, we'll, we'll call it a little more on that, but I'd love to come in and and connect with you. <laughs> nice, <laughs> perfect. We'll, we'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us, Grant. This has honestly been awesome. I was just wondering because Lion, you mentioned that that you'd you've done some masterclasses or workshops before Grant. Is that something you still do? Or I guess with COVID on, you can't really maybe do it now, but is that something you do sometimes? It's become very, um, it's become online. Yeah. So you have to shape that. Uh, My my strong preference is actually in person. Yeah. Because of the nature of the subject, how sensitive it is, how important it is, you can definitely do it you can do it remotely. I've done that before. I've done some work with Deloitte. Um, I'm doing work with a few other workplaces. And you can do things like that remotely, but it's just, it's better in the room. Not as personal online, yeah. Yeah, you can't You can't always see how, you know, when you're talking at a camera for an hour yeah, or whatever yeah. it might be, you can't, everyone's got their own journey. And, you know, I was at a, at a session in Wellington Kensington Swan of Denton's now, the old law firm I first started out with. And you could see that somebody in the front row wasn't that they, they obviously were there. They were there for the session for them. They loved being there, but they were finding some parts of it really hard. And so I was able to Mm. just pause a bit, redirect, lighten it up. But you might Mm. miss that if someone's on the call and they've got their video off. And so on those, on those remote learning and connection environments, you have, I actually moderate the content a little bit so yep. that it can be a bit softer, but yeah. then it's less impactful, right? And it's also less interactive. Yeah. We've got tools mm. that are forming around now. Microsoft Teams, for example, has launched breakout rooms. So you can mm. say, I'm breaking you into groups of three, and you click a button, and then, then boom, they're yeah, on there. Yeah, that's own really three. cool. And, you know, Zoom's had that for a while. Last time I tried doing it, it didn't work. <laughs> but it's still not the same yeah. as, as yeah. being in the room and that personal connection, you know, COVID permitting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Grant, and taking the time to speak with us. If you get a yeah. chance, I'll, I will send you the link to this once we publish it. But if you get a chance, we um, on just on Monday, we did we recorded our first external, which was with uh, a New Zealand author called Matt Kalman, who wrote The Longest Day book. Have you heard of it before? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Oh, it's a good read. So um, uh, one of the guys at work put it on my desk and told me to read it because he thought it was really cool. He talks about his struggles with depression. And I read it and thought it was awesome. And I thought reached out and asked if he'd want to come on our podcast. And that was a really good discussion. Uh, also, keep coming back to, you know, belonging to something and talking to someone you trust and, and that kind of stuff. So it might be if, you, if you're if you on a drive and you want to pop something on for an hour, it would be a good, <laughs> good listen. But um, we'll, we'll wrap this Fantastic. up. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, we yeah, really thanks, appreciate Grant. you coming on and, and we look forward to meeting you in the flesh one day. Yeah, All right, sounds good. Soon. All right. Thanks, Bo. Take care, everybody. Yeah, thanks.